This is Hustle and Pro with Kelly Walker. Join Kelly as she talks sports with players, coaches, organizers, and entrepreneurs from BWE League to Pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. Welcome to Hustle and Pro. Thanks for joining us today. You're going to hear from Kip Rogers Watson. I asked Kip to join us because her story's cool and unique, and her role in sports is cool and unique uh, as a sports psychology professional and therapist supervisor and certified high-performance coach and a PCA trainer. We're going to get into all of those things. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So at the beginning of these, I do some some quick hit, fast favorites about your own sports preferences. So Ooh, tell right. me, who's your favorite athlete? Oh my gosh. Depends on which decade. Mm. Um, I, you know, I had the honor of watching Michael Jordan play when he was just, you know, at his best, at his peak. So I'd probably have to say as an athlete, uh, Michael Jordan, as someone who inspired me way back when, Nadia Komanich. I love her. Yeah. You know, way back when. Yeah. Smooth gymnast, tiny little thing. She was. Yes. Yeah. What about your favorite team? Ohio State Buckeyes. I grew up on Buckeye, and that's really what got me into sports at the very beginning is my dad dragged me to all kinds of Buckeye events. And you experience, at five years old, you experience the horseshoe with 100,000 fans, and it is a spiritual experience. And you're hooked. And And you're hooked, yes. What about your favorite sport to play? Favorite sport to play? Mm. Well... Gosh, the sports I love to play, like, I'm so old now. That's okay. It makes it difficult. I mean, I loved being a competitive gymnast, and I love being a competitive tackle football player. And now that I'm not doing either one of those, um, I just enjoy being physical, whether it's, you know, whatever. I like kickboxing a ton. I do do it a lot. So, you know. Those are three, well, I guess not three different things, but the gymnastics and the tackle football are, are not what very I Very different sports, but very similar in uh, if you have a fear response, which we can get into, they're both bad if you struggle with fear. Huh. Yes. Because you can't hesitate in either one. Right. Otherwise. Okay. I'm ready to mm. get into that in a minute. Yeah. One last quick thing. What's your favorite sport to watch? Oh, anything. I geek out on anything. I can watch anything. Especially during Olympics time, like yeah. don't bother me. I'm watching whatever's the Olympics. on. Don't talk to me. Don't interrupt me. I'm watching. <laughs> I love it. Okay, let's explore your story, your personal story. I, I want to hear more about the, the professional side of things, but to get to know you a little bit better about that. The first time I met you, I heard you talking about playing football, and I was intrigued. Obviously, yeah. um, so what is your story as far as you being an athlete? Well, when I was three. My dad stuck a golf club in my hand because he played collegiate golf at Texas Tech. And so I, he tried early on to get me into golf, um, but my brain really was far too scattered to, for a mental game like golf. I mean, I'm decent at it, but I just find it hard to concentrate like that, mm-hmm. that sport requires. Um, but my parents were really good. They let me try a variety of things when I was young. Like I did dance, I did tennis, I did ice skating, uh, swimming, diving, you know, all, all kinds of different things. And, um, and then I really landed on 
gymnastics, which I started late, actually, as a gymnast. My first competitive season was when I was 11. Oh, that is pretty late. Yeah. Because yeah. yep. most kiddos start when they're toddlers and, you know, like forward yeah. rolls Four, and then they five, just keep six. at it. Right. Yeah. So you got started a little later. That's yep. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how long were you a gymnast? Like how competitive? Eight years. Okay. I did it competitively eight years. And back then there were known as classes, not levels, and got to that class right before elite level. So, and then hung up my grips when I went to college. What yeah. did you do in college? Any sports? Nothing. Any recreational sports though? Or did you just not Nothing. play for a while? I didn't do anything. Okay. Then tell me how you became a football player. <laughs> Well, I was, you know, I went to college and got my degrees, got my master's degree, and I uh, actually worked in radio and television for about eight years and then went back to school, uh, went to Dallas Seminary, got a master's degree in counseling, and then worked in um, mostly with addictions for about nine years at a facility uh, in, more in Dallas, city of Dallas. Um, and then it was... I had started my own private practice, was raising kids, you know, got married, have kids. And I randomly met one of the players of uh, the female professional team here, who most people now know, Jen Welter, who is the first female NFL coach. And so I met her randomly and she's like, come try out. And it was two weeks before a tryout. So I just, I went and I'm I'm 40 years old, and I'm thinking, this is insane. They're going to It look, is a little insane. They're going to look mean? at my age and go, honey, thank you, but no thank you. And um, But I made it through that. They wow. invited me back to training camp, made it through training camp, made it through, you have to get through hell day, and, and made it through that, and then um, played three seasons, got a concussion my third season, and that kind of shut things down because yeah. I need my brain with yeah. what I do. Sure. That's fascinating. Yeah. And this is full so, on tackle, tackle football. football. This is not the lingerie league. This is league. not. This is the real yeah. NFL, same style, same field, same everything. What yes. was your position? I played mostly free safety, a little bit of strong, and then outside weak side linebacker. What? You're a small little thing. I well, feel. that's why, I, right. That's why they. I'm chasing down people half yeah. my age at the time. Um, but I really liked playing linebacker. I just wasn't quite big enough. Yes. But it's much more fun I to be in the mix, you know. But, yeah, so. But I was mostly safety. That's so interesting. I love it. Um, yeah. Okay, so you mentioned a while ago having kiddos, and I know that you've talked about parenting um, an athlete. So I know that parenting an athlete is tough. I'm still in kind of the earlier stages of that as my oldest is – eighth grade. So I'm not okay. even into the mm -hmm. high school, how to parent in high school sports. And I don't expect yeah. to be a college athlete parent or anything like that. But mm -hmm. I also know it's rewarding. So what kind of sports parent are you? And it's probably changed, you know, phases of life sure. and kids. So yeah. tell me about that. Well, I, I've had the honor and privilege of coaching both my kids and their youth. They're now 20 and 18 and they're both in college and they're both athletes. Um, so yeah, I've kind of walked through those phases. Um, and I had one rule in my house because I, I think sports is such a great way to teach kids life lessons. And of course, I had no idea at the time when they're born, like, you know, what kind of athlete are they actually going to be? 
And in fact, my daughter had a birth injury and that was actually sad to say, but this is true. I like confession time here. When she got injured at birth, I thought, oh my God, how is she going to do sports? <laughs> but but she's overcome, yeah. right? And she's fine. But well, um, we put expectations but, on our well, kids with stuff that we I, had interest in. And some, you know, and I, I recognized I had to really you know, hold a balance there. And so I did have the rule that you got to be in some kind of sport. I don't care what kind of sport, but you got to be physical in some way. Um, my son did uh, baseball, football, flag football, tried basketball. And then he loved um, like the field and track and field events. So he did that. And then he also played golf. <laughs> So he did kind of a variety, and my daughter was, she did a variety too. She swam at um, Frisco Aquatics for a number of years when she was in grade school, and then when she got into junior high, um, and she tells me she wishes I hadn't let her quit swimming because she really loved it, but she was that kind of girl that was more interested, and this is, I think, important for parents, the friendships and relationships were important for her, and she just wasn't finding that on the swim team. So she did middle school and high school volleyball and basketball, track and field. Then she started the swim team over at Legacy Christian Academy. And so she was able to then go back to kind of her first love in doing that. Now, they both did flag football in their youth, and that's when I got the chance to coach both of them. And then I coached my son's um, Frisco football league team for mm -hmm. five years in middle school. That's when I stepped away from coaching. I'm not coaching. I'm just parent and it's a totally different role. Yep. And navigating the parent coach thing is also, that's is also tricky. tricky because I coached the kids that my son wasn't that position. So I let somebody else coach oh, my good. son. Right. Yeah. You got to have a little bit of distance if yeah. you can. I mean, yeah. Not all, you can't always do that depending on the team or the sport you're coaching. So sometimes right, you're, right. you know, you're, you're, you are your kid's coach or your head coach or whatever. And it's hard for the kid too, I think. And it the parent, is. You know. Sometimes they'd be like, is this mom or are you coach Kip still? And I'm like, coach. And so then they, you know, they, they were, they learned to respond differently. And then I'm like, okay, I'm mom. Right. And, and it would change. Um, but yeah, it, when you're, when you're on the field or in that, coaching position it was a more not they should respect you too as a parent but it's a little different but it was more of the yes ma'am yes ma'am yes ma'am you know mm -hmm. and um because we were especially the the Frisco Football League team we were we were known for being very disciplined very organized but we definitely challenged those boys that's part of sports too one of those life lessons oh. and you mentioned your daughter saying you she wished you wouldn't have let her quit something yeah. at a certain time. I think that is such a big conversation as a parent. It is. Um, you know, as a 9 and 13-year-old, um, my kiddos, that's sort of an ongoing conversation. And this, those ages where which sport do you drop for other sports and which seasons do you allow to overlap and what do you focus on and do you do something all year? And I don't think you should all these things, but it's a constant conversation in our household of, do you keep doing this or do you move on to something yeah, else? How long do we do this? And I think it is tough. And we, you know, whenever she decided, I remember that last year, she was just really miserable, but I told her you have to finish out the commitment. Right, you made a commitment, and you're going to finish the year out, and you're going to do the best you can. Um, and that was hard. 
Uh, and, and, you know, given what I do with sports psychology, so one thing I do, it's a simple process, but I assess an athlete's intangibles. So their mental game. So it's, it is a science to it. So I knew pretty early on, like how my kids were wired. And so I would both parent and coach towards what I knew were their strengths and weaknesses based on that assessment. And my daughter is much more relational than task-oriented. My son's very task-oriented versus relational. And so for my daughter, if she didn't have that personal connection to teammates and or the coach, it was going to be really hard to create consistency in performance. And she just didn't have that. She switched from Frisco Aquatics to another team, really struggled there. And then we just decided, because she was developing friendships at school, Mm -hmm. but school didn't have a swim team. She's like, well, let me just, you know, go try these other things. And she did. So so you're saying her motivator... To, to be better at swim was the relationships. And if those weren't there, she wasn't just going to choose to perform better. Right. And that was kind of how she was wired. Yep. Okay. And especially early on, I knew that was going to be important. Um, and were, was I trying to train to help her turn on that competitive side of her? Right. Because she's there at meets and just having fun and engaging with her friends and then like, oh, yeah, it's time to compete. But you didn't sense that fire or urgency to beat the person next to you. She just wants to be friends with them. And that's where you go, well, that's okay, right? It like, is okay. If that's what she wants out it's of it. It's totally great. okay at that age. But you can get, if you're competitive, you can you can look at her and go, why aren't you, where's the fire? And I, I reacted that way early on. Like, what the heck? You just look like you're jumping in there and like mm, having fun. And she's like, well, I am. That's what I'm doing, yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, but you got you got to beat them. Like you got, and she's like, what? You know, and, but you know, she's seven, eight years old, you know? And so I learned early, early, right? Yes. Her primary motivators are very different (laughs) than like mine or my son. And this isn't me living my life through her. Right. That is a hard realization. A lot of us have to come to. Yeah. The, The, our kids are not our own selves you know, sports careers. This they're, is their own life. own and individual, and they're wired differently. Yes. She's wired differently than I am. Now, as she got older, um, and she became more self-aware, she realized that that was, while both an asset in terms of a team environment, mm-hmm. to be the encourager, the one that genuinely cares, and all that kind of stuff, yeah, it kind of hindered her as far as competitive fire. So she, she, as she got older, she learned how to turn that on. You talked about that one example just now of knowing how your kids are wired. I don't know what a sports therapist does at all. So please fill me in so that I can kind of learn. I, I mean, I don't know who you're talking to, who you're working with. Are you working with what age kids are the parents coming to you? So who do you actually... Help <laughs> and and what are you doing to help them? Um, okay, that was a multi-layered yeah, question. It is. So my clients are anywhere from like I have nine and ten-year-old gymnasts, you know, because that that season is certainly you're a lot younger. Um, all the way up to I've worked with NFL players, NFL alumni, major league baseball player. You know, there's so there's a wide variety. Um, probably my sweet spot is more that high school who's transitioning into college and then the early college athlete. 
Um, so I had, that's probably where a majority of my clients are um, here and across the country. Now, what I do may be totally different what, than what another sports psychology person yeah, does. Probably. But, it's not an all-encompassing cookie cutter, obviously. R- right. Now, I, I guess a differential that I've realized about what I do is I do do this mental assessment process first which involves an intake form. First time we sit down, we, you know, I, I learn about the goals and objectives, how far you want to take your career. Um, I learn about what some of the challenges are. Uh, and then I have an online assessment they take. And the result session are usually, it's just very eye-opening and confirming for both the athlete and parent often time joins. And I make it fun and interactive, but you get a clear roadmap of what your strengths and weaknesses are physically and mentally, given your sport of choice and sometimes your position within a sport. Okay. So, for example, in football, like the mental wiring and job requirement of somebody on the O-line is very different than the mental wiring and requirement of, say, a linebacker. It's different. And so it just helps to know how you're mentally wired and then, man, what are my assets here with that that I want to build upon? And then is there anything we need to develop? Um, and a lot of times in field sports, some of those things can be as simple as we got we to gotta develop your read, react, and respond, which is a key element in field sports, but that's a mental, intangible gift. It's not a physical gift. The respond part? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Reading what's going on. Oh, the whole re- thing. The read, react, re- respond. Read, yeah. react, respond, right? That's a mental asset. Either you have it or you don't. Now you can develop it, but it really helps to go through an assessment process to understand kind of where you're at with that. So after you've assessed them, you know mm-hmm. their strengths, weaknesses, and as it pertains to their position and those kinds of things, you know their goals. What's next? Do you, do you, is this, you meet with people on a regular basis and you're working Mm -hmm. through those goals and objectives? Yeah. So at the results session, I also give the athlete and the parent, um, what I call recommendation plan or improvement plan. And it involves things that I work on with the athlete. So some curriculum based on what I call their brain code. So curriculum, I'll take them through the mental training that I take them through tools they can use. Um, and then also if they're, Essentially, if they're high school or younger, then I usually have a bucket of recommendations for the parents because the parent, you know, we have a key role on the success team of our athlete. The athlete has a role on their success team and they both got to know how to execute their roles. (laughs) And then oftentimes that requires how do we interact with the coach or trainer or agent or, you know, what have you, you know, there's, there's a, there's a team there that creates the athlete. Mm-hmm. We just have different roles. You mentioned brain code. Is that yes. the name of your company? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Brain code. Yeah. Just Neurosport is the sports psych side of it. And then brain code is the executive coaching side. But it's in essence the same process of assessment. And so when the parents come to you, how do they know to, I mean, I've never, my kids aren't old enough yet. I mean, I guess, but I never would have thought to, to go that route. I mean, is it a need that they just realize their kid needs to get to the next level and, and get help defining what that looks like? How do they know when they need to come talk to you? That's a great question. And I think it varies by individual, and I think it then varies 
based on kind of what your goals are or what, you know, the athlete goal is. The number one reason people call my office is that there is a confidence issue. It's the number one reason when I've, when I've done my surveys and evaluations, like confidence is always the number one issue. Okay. And that's related to what we often see a lot, anxiety, depression, right? Uh, performance anxiety, it can show up in test taking, but it can show up like I'm great in practice and then I just, right. you know, can't perform in the game. Why, why is there a disparity, right? So, so that's a common gonna, okay. question. So that makes the confidence and anxiety part makes a lot of sense to me. Because beforehand I thought, well, are you just trying to help kids get to a, a college level or pro level? Like that wouldn't be me. But I can see the other pieces in my own kids when, you know, it's it's like there's something missing, the confidence or the, there's right. some f- fear. You mentioned yes, fear at the top fear. about right. that um, and how all that comes into play. The Maybe they've of, had an injury or something well, like that. Well, that, that's also true, right? That can create a lot of issues, especially if it's a severe injury and I want to come back and keep playing. Um, and I think the beauty of what I get to do is I get to teach life lessons that transfer into the classroom, into the home, into whatever you end up doing ultimately. I get to teach those life lessons using sports to do it. It's really all the same type of life skills that we all need to have. I just get to use that vehicle to do it. Sure. And that's a good segue into the other things I mentioned that that you um, do. So people might not realize I completely stole your Positive Coaching Alliance talking points when you came. <laughs> you yeah. came to my middle school parent meeting at the kickoff of the year. Yeah, and yeah. I totally stole it and talked about it on an episode. Because I listened I, to that. It was a great episode. Because yeah. I just thought it was interesting and sure. it reminded me, even though I... I think I'm doing pretty good, but it reminded me I can do better in yeah. that role and how I can help my kids right. enjoy their sports career, not win more. I, that shouldn't matter, but it's enjoy their sports life more. So right. I stole that from you. So thank you. You're welcome. <clears throat> but I also took away some good reminders just about our, you know, our roles with young athletes. And so, um, so tell me how... What what do you do with the Positive Coaching Alliance and also being a certified high-performance coach? What are you doing there? Well, it, Positive Coaching Alliance is a nonprofit organization that really works with youth sports and schools and in, you know, select-type sports and those types of organizations. Um, and what we do is we work with what I call the quadrant of I call it high performance, um, but PCA calls it the development zone. So we work with staff and leaders, coaches, parents, and athletes, teaching them kind of what I just said. You each have a unique role on that team, on that that team, team. on the success team of your athlete. Um, And so they're using um, the best in sports psychology principles and tools um, and working with those organizations similar to what I do, um, it's not quite as, I guess, in-depth or precise as I would do when I'm doing one-on-one type stuff. But a lot of it is similar life skills type training from those perspective roles as we develop. And their tagline is, you know, better athletes, better people. 
And so that's what I do. I'm one of their trainers. So I do a lot of the local training here for different um, junior high and mm -hmm. high school. Well, junior high, it's middle school now. Yeah. And I keep saying that. Um, high school, middle school, elementary schools, um, and some, you know, private schools in this area. And then I've done some of their national accounts, like for USA Gymnastics and USA Dance and Cheer and things like that. So you're working with all of those involved, like you said. The yeah. parents, you're talking to the parents, yep. and you're working more in a workshop situation with, like, the coaching staff Correct. at the schools? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you were sitting in on a parent. It was, a, I think it was a 30-minute one, so it was one of our shorter ones versus the hour long. But, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty concise. Short and to the point. You just sort yeah. of went over the <laughs> basics. But one of the things right. I loved about it, um, it makes sense now with your practice, is uh, asking a parent, what's your goal for your kid as an athlete? And right. then asking the kid, what's your goal as an athlete? There was a kid sitting right in front of you and mm -hmm. their answers, I mean, are they ever the same? <laughs> Usually not, but you've never, most parents don't take the time to have that kind of conversation, right? No. They just don't. You don't think of it. You just kind of, I mean, in my family situation, you play sports, you're little, you just keep going and you just keep going. I don't know. We talk about different things and teams and positions and happiness and, you know, I don't know, when you want to quit, we talked about that a minute ago. But very rarely do you say, okay, you know, let's stop for a minute and think about where this is going. You yeah. might say that when it's time to figure out if you're about to go commit to a college or something, but most of us don't get that far. Well, you know? right. Um, and, and I think it's, you, I highly encourage parents at least once a year, sit down with your child and talk about their goals. That was something I did with each one of my kids. I took them out of school for a day. And we called it our special day. But the first thing we did is I took them somewhere for breakfast and we looked at our goals. We looked at what you did last year from what you said you wanted to accomplish. And then we're going to look, you know, what, okay, so what's on tap for this next year and making sure that we're kind of, that I'm hearing and listening to them and what they want to do and what they are setting out to accomplish. Then I know better how to guide and help them because it's not really my goal for them. And that's what I was, is that, so you're just listening. You're not shaping the goal for that. You're not no. saying, well, I think you could do this. You're, you're just listening to them so that you can help support them. And even if they ask, you know, what do you think, mom? You know, I'm still going to put it back on them. <laughs> Because it needs to be what they want, right? And, and hopefully, that, I mean, of course, parents put their <laughs> expectations on kids a lot, but they if, do. I am a firm believer: if your kid is, if your athlete is not in it for the right reasons, for themselves to enjoy a sport or for whatever they're trying to achieve, I really don't think they're long term. They're not going to be good at it. Well, not only that, but this is, I've seen this over and over, sadly, is I see the parent driving the child for the college scholarship and, um, and the child actually gifted, the athlete very gifted at the sport. I, I've probably seen this, you know, 10 times over the 20 years I've done this, um, that child is going to rebel mm -hmm. and they usually do at some point. Um, because they don't want to do it. They're burned out. They hate it. It's about dad's goal for me or mom's goal for me instead of, you know, what I really value. And even though they're sort of a natural talent or gifted or do very well of it, well with it, like I've seen, 
I've seen, this has happened twice, where they've turned down full-ride scholarships. Wow. Because they're so tired over it. of the parent, right? <sighs> I've seen where the parent oh, is the one. That hurts. Right? Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it's hard to watch, but, I'm, but the, the kid's crumbling, mm-hmm. right? And they're so tired and worn out and exhausted. I've, I've seen it where the parent, like, takes over, you know, speaking to college recruiters as if they're the kid. The recruit. And that always goes south quickly too because college college recruiters and coaches they're not recruiting you the parent they're recruiting your kid and That's they need to be have the relationship when they with see that the ki- oh for sure they gotta they've gotta know no nope, we're done not recruiting the parents here. right we're done don't need that's going to be an over-involved parent so we're here in in frisco and the sports city usa and we yeah. have it all and we have fantastic facilities sure. and Pro teams galore, and you know, it's pretty fantastic from lots of angles. But um, from your position as a, a therapist, what do you th- what What's the hardest part for young athletes in this town right now? I mean, is it this confidence? You say is it anxiety? Are they are they isolating themselves? Is there too much pressure? Like, what are what are we doing wrong? I think the anxiety and the lack of confidence are really just symptoms of two things that are typically wrong. One, they don't know what their identity is. They think their identity is in what they do or the role they have or the achievement that they get, whether in the classroom, the GPA or the trophy or the ring or the title or winning. Um, And they don't really know who they are. Right, their identity has turned into what I call a lie identity, which is based on role and achievement, and that's super common. It's just super common. That probably has some of the fear. If I quit this sport or if I don't achieve, if I don't perform, who am then I? Who what am happens? I? Is anybody right. going to care about me? Yeah. Then who am I? I think it's important resource that you're there to talk to the kiddos about all of these things. I think it's fascinating. Could probably talk to you for a lot longer than this one podcast episode. <laughs> There's a about lot of tangents it. that we could go down. For sure, yeah. we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. do another tangent on another day because I just think it's fascinating, and probably because um, growing up as an athlete and then having these two little ones that are completely different athletes. I have a boy and a girl, similar to like mm-hmm. you were talking about. They they compete differently. They want different things out of their right. sports. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. need to do a check in and. Check in with them about their goals like you did, because I think that's a really important way to communicate with your kid, um, to take a pause. We get so busy with the hustle of everyday sports life and school life and just normal life. Well, real quickly, back to your question. So I said there were two things that I think were an issue. Oh, yes. So I mentioned identity, the first one. The second one, I think, is just we have a real misunderstanding, I think, of the role of feelings in our life. And a lot of times we think of confidence as a feeling, we think of motivation as a feeling, we think of courage as a feeling, and they're not. And so helping kids understand their feelings, and you know, in the therapy world, we call it emotional intelligence, but understanding what they're feeling and how they actually have the ability to choose what they feel becomes really a game changer I've, I've seen, not just with kids, but with the adults that I work with too. So what do you mean by that, though? What feelings are they 
if, if confidence is not, like what is? It's a belief. Okay. Confidence is a belief you have and the classic definition to get the job done, right? Well, the belief that that's not based on feeling. You either believe it or you don't. Got and it. So early, like mm, about the early 70s, there was a big movement on self-esteem, mm -hmm. which did a tremendous amount of damage to a lot of people. Um, and so I can't, it, with our kids, yes, as parents, we do have a strong influence on their belief system. And we do affect what they believe about themselves. They get to be about 14, 15, 16. It's now a decision they make, a belief that they decide. You can't build it. You can't develop it. You can't give them self-esteem or self-confidence. They, they have to choose it. And so helping them understand that has been a huge game changer for okay. people. But what are the feelings that they, are we talking feelings like this makes me happy and sad and. Well, even right there, I wouldn't let you say that in my office. Okay. I wouldn't let you say makes me. Okay. I I'm feel like, happy right, right. when I play there, when I do You this. decide. Okay. You choose your feeling. Don't hand something that, don't hand that power over to somebody else or something else. Take it back. Right? Take it back. Okay. Does that make sense? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way I said it, yeah. Yeah. This makes me. It's like, no, it's not making you. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't have the... If I had the ability to make you angry in that moment, then I could go, be happy. Right, right. Why aren't you happy? <laughs> I don't understand. I stab I my fingers. I do that sometimes. Like, be, right. And so it's, it is a powerful lesson for, you know, every human being to understand Oh, I get it. <laughs> Ownership of those feelings and that you can... Right. If I'm yeah. sad, I need to take a look at it, right? And figure out what it's about. But now I get to choose. I love that. What to generate. Awesome. So um, one last thing. As we're sitting here, I can't help but notice. What is that ring on your finger? Oh, this is my Super Bowl ring from when I played for Dallas in 2008. Um, and it's big. Thank you. Lots of it's, sparkly it's, and diamonds. and Well, you know, it's just a good reminder of blood, sweat, and tears, right? And my family of women where we went through that together. Um, and you should know, like your Dallas team, uh, I believe, is now we're going to play our home games in Frisco. Oh, really? Yes. The star or is this indoor? Um, I think at Memorial Field. Okay. Next season. So it's outdoor. It's like outdoor, a regular. Yeah. yeah. And we just went three-peat. So we, we championship in 17, 18, 19. So... What's that season? Dallas Time. Elite. So we start playing in the spring. Okay. So it uh, we begin uh, training camp here right after the new year. Well, thanks yeah. for your time. I enjoyed thanks it. Thanks for having me. And Absolutely. And I feel like we could talk again soon. Let's do Some it. Some of the other topics that we touched on today. So everyone else, thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to Hustle & Pro on any way that you listen to podcasts, we're on Google Play and iTunes and Spotify. You can even find our episodes on YouTube now. So thanks for listening.